You know, just before I get into the word, um, I just wanted to, to bring an encouragement. I wanted to wait until we got our online guys with us, because I know there's many that watch online. And, uh, but I know, that, I know that there's a lot of people that this last week, you faced a pretty big disappointment. Um, when we saw the Electoral College and all of that happened and all of that was approved and, uh, and now even Trump has said, okay, you know, well, I'll, I'll deal a peaceful transition. Um, I don't know how you feel about all of that, and I'm not, uh, I'm a preacher first and foremost. My, my ministry is the gospel. That's why you don't hear me shouting from the pulpit, you know, I'm, I'm just not that guy. I'm not going to, if, if I wanted to be in politics, I'd go into politics. I'd run in politics. Uh, and I'd be delighted if people in our church, uh, believers, uh, we need more believers. We need more on fire people, Holy Ghost filled people moving in politics. But uh, I'm watching, and there were so many people that were deeply disturbed and discouraged by what seems to be happening in our nation right now. And, and I just. You know, I think we all kind of feel, many of us feel, that the election was, was taken, that it was robbed, that there's been deceit in this whole thing. And, uh, and I'll be honest, I'm with you. I, I, I agree with that. I feel that way as well. But you say, Pastor, are you discouraged? Are you, uh, uh, are you upset about this? I, I'm not. And this is the reason why I'm not. I, I've done extensive study on what is going to happen in the last days? What's going to happen in the end times? And I just want to remind you guys that the world around us, and this is not a gloom and doom thing, this is not me you know, being a hellfire brimstone guy, but I'm just telling you, according to the Bible, the world is going to become increasingly darker. It is going to become increasingly more sinful, more deceptive. It's, it's going to become more and more difficult. However, I want to remind you that for as many words as there are about tribulation and darkness and, 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 and intensity in the last days, there are just as many words about how there is going to be revival and there is going to be blessing and there is going to be outpouring in the last days. This is why I believe, yes, we are going to see Satan moving at an unprecedented level. In fact, Revelation says that there's going to come a time in these last days where the devil is going to be more active than he has ever been because he knows his time is short. So you better believe he's going to be working through politicians and he's going to be working through uh, organizations. He's going to be working in the medical world. He's going to be working in the financial world. He's going to be working in churches. Satan's working overtime. And all the more reason that in this last day, you and I as the church need to be diligent to seek the Lord. We need to be diligent to go after God because it is also His desire that in the last day, in fact, Revelation 7, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, John is standing in heaven. 
And he looks and he sees this incredible mass of people that cannot even be numbered. All tribes and tongues and nations and peoples. That means there's all skin colors. There's all languages. All nations that are represented there. And he turns to the angel who's standing next to him and he says, Who are these people? And he says, These are those who have come out of great tribulation. In this time... When the Antichrist is active, the mark of the beast, I mean, he's looking at a time where all of this is in full swing. We're not there yet. We're coming there. We're not there yet. And yet, in the midst of that, we see the most incredible harvest that even heaven cannot number. I'm telling you guys, in this last day, don't be discouraged when we watch the world going to hell. Be encouraged knowing that God... Yes, the intensity of evil is going to rise. But I believe that this is the church's finest hour and that revival is going to be poured out. We're going to see more souls saved. In fact, Jesus right alongside. I I might spend all day talking about this. Jesus in the very same passages that he talked about the signs of the end times. Yes, there were negative things. Yes, there's going to be the backsliding of many people. Yes, there's going to be earthquakes and and pestilence and there's going to be famine. And he lists 16 different things that are going to happen. But did you know that in the midst of those things, Jesus also said, you're going to see all of Israel saved. Did you know he said, we're going to see the gospel preached in every nation into the very ends of the earth. There are still people today who have not heard the gospel, but they will in the last day. Jesus gave positive signs and positive trends. And so I just want to remind you, don't be discouraged and feel like, well, that's it. Trump doesn't make it. Our nation's going to hell. Much of the nation will go to hell. That's just truth. But I believe that we're going to see more people get on fire for God and get serious about God than we have ever seen in human history. That's going to happen. I'm going to be a part of that movement. I believe you're going to be a part of that movement. But right now, uh, and this isn't even my sermon. This is just a bonus message for you. I want to pray. And I want to pray for our nation. I want to pray for that revival. I want to pray for you guys. Would you just stand to your feet and let's just just, uh, call out to the Lord for a moment. If you've got the liberty to pray with your spirit, I want you to do that. Even those you're watching at home, I want you to pray and I want you to come in agreement. Come on, let's just begin to seek the Lord on this. Lord, I, I do, I believe, mighty God, that in this last day you will pour out your spirit on all flesh. And I believe, mighty God, that, that we are going to see unprecedented moving of your spirit. We are going to see revival in this last day. Not because of wishful thinking, not because a prophet today said it, but because your word said it. Jesus, you said it. The book of Revelation says it. The book of Acts says it. Uh, Joel prophesied it over and over and over, Lord. We know that your desire in this last day is to see a move of God, to see the saving of souls, to see an outbreak of miracles, to see the works of the enemy destroyed. And Lord, I believe that we're going to be a part of that. And so Lord, today, Lord, we lift up our nation and we lift up the nations of 
the world. This, this COVID thing is still ravishing nations and it's still, it's still taking lives. And, and we just pray, God, that you would quickly turn this thing around, that we would see miracle power arise and we would see COVID eradicated. Lord, we lift up the political things that are going on and God, so many are discouraged and so many are hopeless. But Lord, I pray that you would tug on hearts and allow people to put their faith back in you, O Lord. Put their faith in the word and what you have declared and not, Lord, in a, in an earthly and a natural figure, mighty God. I pray, Lord Jesus, as we look at the economy of the world and how it's so unstable, it's so shaken, God, I pray that once again, Lord, you would teach your sons and daughters how to trust in you with all of our sustenance for all of our provision. God, we believe in this last day we will see the greatest harvest. We will see the greatest move of God. And Lord, I thank you even now. We get to be a part of it. Oh, we bless you, Lord. And we love you, Lord. Thank you for saving us. Thank you, mighty God, for saying, I want you in this day, in this time. God, you could have had us born in any other time in human history, but you said, I want this one to be in the last days. I want this one to be a part of what I'm going to do in this last day. And Lord, I just say, thank you. What an honor. What an honor. We bless you, Lord. Amen. Well, remain standing. Remain standing. We're going we're gonna to get into the Word now. Wow, it's 10.06 already. Oh, my goodness. Just don't look at your clock, okay? You know, I, I heard one of the, the coolest stories. One of, one of my... I, I, I served a number of years in the North Texas District as an evangelist. And the district superintendent, he's now on the national level for the Assembly of God. His name is Rick DuBose. And uh, he said there was a time when his church became overly, uh, overly concerned about the time. Now, he's a long preacher. Maybe I'm a long preacher, but he'd easily preach an hour and well beyond that. And he said there was a time, there was a clock in the back of the room. And he said everybody, you know, come close to 12 or whatever, everybody start turning around and looking at that clock. He said he got so frustrated with it one time. He says, I curse that clock in the name of Jesus. And truly, the clock stopped working. The clock stopped. And they left that clock. I mean, right in that moment, everybody watched that clock die. And it never came back. And guess what? He started preaching as long as he wanted to. Hallelujah. He felt like God was in that. (laughs) Ephesians. Ephesians chapter Ephesians chapter 2, my notes are wrong, Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to look together, we're going to begin a new series today entitled Better Together, everybody say Better Together, do you believe we're better together? I hope so, if you don't yet, you, hopefully you will by the end of the message, but Ephesians chapter 2, and let's look at verse uh, 19. We actually sang a song about this earlier today. Christ, our cornerstone. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Hallelujah. If you're a first-time guest, if you've been born again, guess what? You're a part of the household of God. Hallelujah. 
having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of, the, of God in the Spirit." You know what that's saying? I like a couple other translations. It talks about how we are living stones being fitted together. We are being fitly framed together. Do you understand that when we come together like this, as we do life with one another, as we worship with one another, as we pray with one another, there is a building together of the of the household of God. There's a, there's a building together of the temple of God. We can become the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. That only happens when we come together. And so I'm going to talk about that today. This is wonderful. And uh, we've already prayed a lot, but let's just, here, I'll lead us in a short prayer right now. I want you to pray this with me right now. Pray, Dear Jesus, Everybody pray out loud, dear Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life, in your precious name, amen. Amen, you may be seated. I'm going to begin today a series on Ephesians, and uh, I love the book of Ephesians, in fact, if you've ever... Uh, if you've ever studied spiritual warfare, if you ever looked at the armor of God, chances are you have learned things out of the book of Ephesians, which is part of the reason that I like it. Uh, in fact, Ephesians, uh, Ephesus was a city, real city, still there today actually, very pagan, very pagan city. One of the seven ancient wonders of the world was right there in the city of Ephesus. It was the, the temple of Artemis or the temple of Diana. And you can read in Acts chapter 19, there was a revolt that happened there. There was a tremendous revival that happened there. Uh, but alongside that, there was strong demonic attack. But they saw a mighty move of God. And, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to tell you right from the beginning exactly why I want to do a series on Ephesians and what God did in Ephesus. The Apostle Paul for most of his ministry life, was looking towards Ephesus. We know this because as soon as he recruited Timothy, there was an interesting account where, where Paul was looking for the next place that they were going to go minister. He was on a missionary journey, just traveling across the land, and he had his eyes on Ephesus. But the Bible says as he began to travel down to Ephesus, the Holy Spirit forbid him from entering. So he turns around, he goes up north, Approaching a second city, and again, Holy Spirit forbids him from entering. And finally, he has a dream that night, and an individual appears to him in the dream, says, come, minister, us, uh, minister to us in Macedonia. And so that's what they do. They pack up. They go to Macedonia. And each of these trips, by the way, are, are several days in length. I mean, it's not like I'm going to drive, you know, whatever, to Waimea, you know, 45 minutes away. Oh, nope, this isn't it. Okay, let's drive the... No, I mean, you're talking days of travel. Everywhere they went, Holy Spirit said, nope, not yet. Holy Spirit says, no, not yet. Then he has a dream. We're going over here. And that's where Paul began his ministry. Now, what's interesting is they travel and they minister for a number of years. And part of the reason I believe that is 
is the Lord had things that he needed to teach Paul. The Lord had instruction in warfare. He had things to teach him about his identity and his authority. There were things that needed to be instilled in the Apostle Paul before he was ready to go to Ephesus. And finally, by the time God releases Paul to move into ministry in Ephesus, not only is the greatest church that is recorded in the Bible established, but his greatest spiritual son becomes the pastor there. Many historians believe that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a member at the church of Ephesus, a church that exploded to well over 20,000 people, and then they lose count of how many individuals are there. I mean, God moved mightily. But not only that, you know, you can go see some of the wonders of the world. I've been to the pyramids. You can go and you can see some of these ancient wonders. You cannot go and visit the ancient temple of Artemis. Why? Because the move of God was so profound in Ephesus that literally everybody repented. The priests and those who did not repent were actually killed. And then individuals came in and literally dismantled brick by brick that pagan temple. That's revival. When you see false worship systems begin to fall and when you see the kingdom of God established in mighty measure, that's a move of God. And I believe, I believe that what God is going to do here in Kona is reflective of what the Lord did in Ephesus. I believe, yes, there are pagan powers. In fact, there's a strong movement even within the Hawaiian culture to see a reviving of the teachings of the ancient gods and the ancient deities and even sacrifices. I mean, we went up to the volcano and we saw that which is erupting uh, here. And all around the crater, all around the rim, there were offerings that were being given. And uh, we saw one video as they were announcing that the volcano was erupting and the, the, the guy who was doing that video kept on saying, uh, Pele is back, Pele is back and so excited and you might think oh that's there, there's nothing to that you know that's just that's fake that's uh you know that's power i don't think so i believe behind most many of the the the, the gods that other religions and other faiths would would acknowledge you know we might just be arrogant and say oh no there's there's no power behind that i believe there are demonic powers behind many of those things I believe there is real demonic activity behind many of those things. And people have had encounters with, with fallen angels. They've had encounters with demons. And, uh, wow, they see this fire goddess and they say, well, that's Pele. And if truth be told, no, there's a demonic entity behind that thing. And uh, my, my point is, there are real spiritual battles that are going to take place here. There is a real revival that God is going to birth here. And I believe if we're going to begin to move into that, we need to learn and we need to practice some of the very same things that Paul practiced in Ephesians. And so I'm going to give you, oh my goodness, for real, don't look at your time, okay? Because I've I got to preach this. I'll be more organized over the coming weeks. But uh, I've got three reasons why we're going to teach out of Ephesians. And then I've got, I've got three reasons this is going to benefit you, okay? And so number one, I'll, I'll go quickly. Can you listen quickly? All right. Uh, Ephesians 1. Uh, I'm sorry, not Ephesians 1. Uh, for number 1, point number 1. Ephesians is a revival book. Ephesians is a revival book. 
I've already mentioned certain details about what Ephesus looked like. It was a capital of pagan worship. And if you actually study Diana, you study Artemis, this is a worship system that goes, goes all the way back to Genesis. Even some of the twisting of the creation account. They believe that God was a woman. That, that, that Diana created Eve before he created Adam. And the woman has authority over the man. You begin to understand why Timothy, in the book of 1 Timothy, much of the restrictions like, hey, women, be quiet. Don't allow women to teach. You understand, he was dealing with Ephesus. He was dealing with a culture where they said, women are God. Women are the leaders. Men need to be quiet. And Paul's saying, no, we need to correct this. There's some things that are out of order with this. You know, we believe, and you know, my wife leads worship. I want her to preach. Hallelujah. We believe in women preachers. I believe in women in ministry. But Paul was dealing with something that was going on in this day and in this age. You, you understand this? I mean, it was a horrendous culture. If you think that we're the first culture who's ever had to deal with blatant sexual immorality and things of that nature, you need to look in history, man. I mean, Rome, just, I mean, don't, don't look too deep into this, but I'm telling you, Rome was horrible. The things that happened there, I mean, homosexuality, you name it, pedophilia, it was in full swing. It was widely accepted. And I believe that's part of why Rome fell in its time. God brought judgment to that thing. You'll watch, and there were, there were moments in, in Ephesus, in fact, one of the things, their primary form of worship, their act of worship was, ha was to have open orgies. Right on the front of the temples, right, uh, right out in the open. I mean, this is just what would go on in this city. I mean, you just think, yeah, we've got easy access to all this kind of stuff. Sometimes it'll just, it'll just show up on your computer, on your, on your stream or whatever, and uh, you wonder, man, did anybody have to deal with this? Imagine walking down the street, and you see blatant sexual activity happening right on the corners. This is the culture that Paul was stepping into as he was confronting Diana, as he was confronting this goddess uh, um, uh, Artemis. And it still creeps in. In fact, one of the reasons I, I, I was cringing, I, I was going through the radio the other day, and I heard a sermon, it sounded pretty good. So I start listening to this thing, and then as soon as the sermon done is, is ended, they start going through these prayers. And they're going through the Lord's Prayer, and I'm like, well, this is kind of weird, but great, the Lord's Prayer. Then they started going through Hail Mary, and I realized that what I had come to was the Catholic station. And one of the lines in there is, Hail Mary, Mother of God. No, 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 no. Mary is not the mother of God. In fact, Mary is the mother of Jesus born in the flesh. But if you have an understanding of the Bible, Jesus is eternally existent. Jesus was active in creation. Jesus appeared to Abraham. Jesus was the one who spoke to Moses from the burning bush. Jesus was, he was not born of a woman. Jesus was eternally existent, active in creation. And what, the, the reason I get so fired up, well, pastor, what's the big deal? It's, you know, whatever, Jesus or God. No, there's a big difference. If you understand, the primary titles that were given to Diana worship was Mother of God. It's a big deal. There's some, some deep history in this kind of thing, and I'm just, it, it, it's, a, it's a big thing. And so... But what ends up happening, I described this a little bit. They end up going into this city, 
and they war correctly, and they see revival poured out to such an extreme that literally the temple is dismantled brick by brick, Everyone who followed pagan gods, they actually, uh, in Acts 19, it documents how they all brought together their idols and they brought together their books of witchcraft and they burned them publicly. Open celebration. Could you imagine seeing a religion, a pagan, especially one as vile as this, it literally dies in one day, one mighty move of God, one revival. Uh, There's a lot of gods that could come down. And part of what I think has happened even with COVID is I think, you know, sports has come down. We've watched Hollywood has shut down. We've watched all of the things that people would gather around and, 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 and this is what we exalt and this is what we love. And I'm telling you, it's all been brought down a notch. And that's good. That's a good thing. They had some riots too. Hallelujah. There was a riot. I mean, that yeah, the, the pagan god fell. The temple was destroyed. They had some riots, and uh, and I'll just I'll just let you know, you'll never hear me give an altar call saying come to Jesus and all your problems are going to go away. And the reason that I'm not going to do that is I I don't want you to be shocked when you walk out of this room and all of a sudden the devil who's been your pal for the last years all of a sudden begins resisting and afflicting and attacking because they see, this guy's getting on fire for God. I need to shut him down. You have an enemy of your souls. And part of what we're going to learn is we're going to learn how to war. We're going to learn how to plead the blood of Jesus. We're going to learn how to put on our armor. We're going to learn how to, how to resist the devil and see him flee. But there is real battle. There is real warfare. But don't let that discourage you. Please. I was here in John Kilpatrick. In fact, we've spent, since we've started fasting, all we do is listen to sermons and worship. And we're listening to a message, John Kilpatrick. He was a pastor of the Brownsville Revival. And, you know, what happened, he talked about how those revival meetings in Brownsville were heaven on earth. But he said they experienced a lot of hell on earth as well. And he began to share, similar to what I was just encouraging with us a, a moment ago, With any move of God that you experience, you will also experience an equal move of Satan. The devil's going to see God has focused his attention there. And so the devil's going to begin to rearrange and, and, and put some of his troops into action in that same thing. Now, you don't let that discourage you because you ask him, was it worth it to go through the hell on earth that you did? Was it worth it to have that oppression? Absolutely. Four million souls that got saved in that revival would say, yeah. It was worth it. My life was worth it. Ministers who have been shot out all over the world, still bringing revival to various nations uh, all around the planet. I'm t- they would say it was worth it. So I'm not saying that our path is going to be easy. It wasn't easy for Paul. Anybody know the book of Ephesians? Where is he writing this book from? Does anybody know? Prison. And you can be stunned as we begin to go through this book. Praise be to God. Oh, the God of all glory. He's given us blessings and inheritance, and He is good and from prison. And here we are moaning because our favorite restaurant closed down because of COVID. You know, I tell you, we've not, we've not dealt with anything. I, I saw a, a meme. I was just looking for a way. I've got a, an accountability group for our fasting that's going on, and I'm just, so I'm looking for stuff to keep the attitude light. I was looking, and uh, 
I don't know if you've ever seen this one. They've got this big hulking dog like Buff. And it says, uh, Christians in the early days, fasting, food and water, 10 days, 5 days. You know, Moses went on a 40-day water and food fast, ate, drank nothing. But Christians today, it showed this wimpy little dog just cowering in the corner. I guess I'll give up chocolate for 21 days. (laughs) Now, if you're fasting chocolate, God bless you. Not really. I'm thankful if you're doing any kind of fast. Some of you some of you just got saved, and you're like, what's this whole fasting thing about? Listen, if that's all you give up, if you give up your sweets, praise God. I know that can be a sacrifice. <laughs> My son, they're not doing sweets. They're not doing sugars. They're on a real close to a Daniel fast with my my wife. They're cutting out media, TV, video games, all that. But uh, my son this last week came across a lollipop. He takes that lollipop, doesn't even think about it, unwraps it, pops that thing in his mouth, and, uh, and as soon as he does, remembers, I'm fasting, you know, takes the thing out. And I went into the bathroom. I actually saw the lollipop there in the trash can. Uh, good job, son. Good job. You staying on it? Hallelujah. Had another brother come to me today. I won't tell you who it was, but he says, you know, uh, pastor, there was a lot of food out on the table last night, and I took it, and, uh, and I accidentally, I, I put some in my mouth, but then I, then I took it out immediately. Did I break my fast? I'm like, no, you're close. But you did all right. You did all right. Um, okay, I've gotten off track. Hallelujah. Second reason, second reason I want, I've, I'm, I'm kind of mixing my points here. The second reason we're going to study the book of Ephesians is it's a warfare book. Hallelujah. We're going to learn spiritual warfare. It starts with our position in Christ uh, and all things brought under the feet of Jesus according to Ephesians 1, 17. We're going to talk about the armor of God. We're going to talk about the different ranks of the demonic that are la- named in Ephesians 6, 12. And we'll dig into that. But, but here's the, the main reason that I want to look at the book of Ephesians. Number three, Ephesians is a book that expresses we are better together. This is my third reason we're going to study the book of Ephesians. It's a book that expresses we are better together. Everybody say better together. If there's one thing that COVID has taught me is we need people. We were not built to do life logging in remotely to school and work and never have interaction with people outside of a computer screen. That's not, that's not normal. If that's what you're doing right now, we're all, we're all going with the flow. We're doing the best that we can. But we need people. We need interaction. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you came to church today. I thank you. I'm so glad that you did. Uh, I'm looking and, and, and we're seeing how the numbers of depression and alcoholism and drug abuse and even suicide are skyrocketing in this time because people don't have human interaction any longer. All they do is sit and they stew and they look inwardly and they become heavier and heavier. And if they can't find some substance or some addiction to cope with, uh, I mean, thank God we have Jesus. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you, man, I, I would have died in my addiction years ago if I had not found Jesus. Because that was my coping mechanism. I overdosed on cocaine once. That was my daily habit. I couldn't go to sleep without, without smoking weed. That was a daily activity of mine. But Jesus came. He's brought me 
peace. He's set me free. And I'm telling you guys, the life that I live today is so much better than any pleasure that any substance could ever bring to me. I'm telling you, it's a pleasure that is only increasing. It is only growing. It, oh, I'm, I'm so thankful for the Lord. Is anybody with me today? We're better together. And so I, I want to remind you, whether you know it or not, you say, well, pastor, I can be on fire for God uh, on my own. Yeah, you could go be a monk, go sit on top of a mountain, pray and fast, talk to nobody. There's people that do that. And I think it's a royal waste of time. I think it's an absolute waste of time. What's the point of being on fire for God if you never get to encourage your brothers and sisters in the Lord with that same fire. What's the point of being on fire for God if you never go into the workplace or into your school or into the public and you share that that fire with somebody else? What's the point? You can't do this on your own. Whether you know it or not, you need the church. And the church needs you. Ephesians will give an example as we begin to work through it about how the whole body, we're a body that's being being formed together. We're a body that operates together. Now, you just imagine, I mean, just look at your hand for a second. Just look at your hand right now. Now, this hand, your hand is awesome. Think about all that your hand can do. Your hand can, your hand can embrace somebody in love. Your, your hand can, can greet somebody. And welcome somebody. Your hand could be used to, to draw or to paint or to build, to create. Your hands are incredible. It's wonderful. But you imagine if you, I mean, just imagine this. You go and you see a shoebox in the middle of the road. You go and you pick up that shoebox. And you open up the lid of that shoebox and inside is a human hand. That is disgusting. And I'm sorry if that grosses you out. But I'm telling you, you wonder why. We've got rogue prophets out there. And they're just, I, don't, I, I can't connect with the church. They don't understand it. I'm going to go do my own deal. And, and they wonder why you can't get more than four or five people to come to their home Bible study. You wonder why they can't find anybody to connect with. Because anybody with half a sense of discernment knows that's disgusting. That is out of order. That is a body part that is disconnected from the body. We need to be connected to the body. We need to be connected. I'm telling you, you cannot function in your full capacity if you're disconnected from the body. You need the church. If you want to be used of the Lord, you got to get connected. The church, I'm telling you, our church, I love what God has done in our church so far. But I know that our church is not all that it's supposed to be. Why? Because there's still some people that are going to come along. This is the foot that we've been waiting for. This is the mouthpiece that we've been waiting for. This is the finger we've been waiting for. God's going to bring those pieces. The church needs you. You need the church. Hallelujah. We're better together. Everybody say better together. Oh, my goodness. You guys, I'm already at my time. Let me give you one more idea. I didn't even get into my other three points. Maybe we'll do, I don't know. I don't want to wait till next Sunday. Here's what, here's what I'm going to, okay, let me just give you one more thought. 
One of the unique things about Ephesus, so cool, is Ephesus was a church planting church. Ephesus was a church planting church. In fact, if you've ever read the book of Revelation, you'll notice the first couple chapters are seven letters that Jesus is expressing to seven different churches. Did you know that all seven of those churches were actually plants that came out of Ephesus? Well, one of them was Ephesus, but the other six all came out of Ephesus. That hub of revival that that God birthed there in Ephesus actually became a sending center. In fact, Dr. Morocco teaches about this. He talks about how there's a Jerusalem model for churches. And the Jerusalem model, if you know anything about Jerusalem, that's where the Spirit of God was poured out. That's where Pentecost happened. Peter goes outside, preaches, 3,000 added. A couple chapters later, they see the church has grown to 5,000 men, not including women and children. So probably in the neighborhood, fifteen to 20,000 people attending this one church in Jerusalem. Powerful mega church, right? That's the Jerusalem model. And I thank God there's large, influential churches scattered across the planet. They're doing great things for the Lord. And uh, it's wonderful. But the other thing, you'll see, there's another church model called the Antioch model. Everybody say Antioch. You know about Antioch? There was a move of God there in Antioch. In fact, when the Apostle Paul got saved, he ends up getting plugged into Antioch. And you'll see what Antioch did is they would disciple people and then they would send them out. Paul came from Antioch. Uh, Barnabas was sent from Antioch. Silas was sent from Antioch. Uh, uh, Many others were all sent from Antioch. But they had no connection back to that central church. It's just like, we're going to disciple you. We're going to pour into you. Make sure you're right with God. Have right doctrine, full of the Holy Ghost. And then we're going to send you. Good luck. Go get them, buddy. And they go out, all the nations of the world, different nations, countries. And uh, they did the work of the Lord. That's the Antioch model. What we are is the Ephesus model. Well, what's the Ephesus model? Ephesus had a great central hub. Powerful church. They began to disciple. They began to train. They began to raise up. And then they began to send pastors. They began to send leaders to other other cities, even other nations. And they began to start works over there. But they were all still connected to the central church. Now, you understand... What we are today, we are an extension of what God began in Maui 40 years ago through a faithful pastor by the name of James Morocco. Dr. Morocco, Apostle Morocco, Pastor Morocco, that's what we call him today. And, uh, but because of his obedience, now we are here in Kona. Now, there's going to be a time, in fact, what Dr. Morocco commissioned us with. As, we, as my wife and I, a number of our team members, we came over here. He said, I believe God is going to raise up another cathedral in Kona. And I believe there's going to be a day, yes, we're going to see a hub of revival that God births and he builds right here in Kona. We're going to be like in Ephesus. And there's going to be a day where there's a group of people in Volcano and they're worshiping the Lord and they're loving the Lord and they're going to say, do you know that our church wouldn't be here if those people in Kona hadn't prayed for us, hadn't invested in us, hadn't trained us and hadn't sent us? going to be a day congregations all across this island are looking back to what God is birthing and creating right here I don't know if that excites you 
But that sure does excite me. Wow. Well, hallelujah. I'm going I'm to stop right there. We'll pick this up on maybe tonight, maybe Tuesday. Probably Tuesday would be better. Tonight's prayer and worship, so I won't preach. My wife would scold me, you know, it's prayer and worship. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to let's stand. And uh, Minister Rylin, would you come and join me? I'm going to pray for you. I'm just going to warn you. I want you to, want you to prepare yourself. Because over the coming months, we're going to spend some time in Ephesians. We're going to learn. We're going to learn what our identity is. What, what, what am I called to do? What has God actually given me? We're going to learn. I want you to strap in for this one. So we're going to move into a season of intense evangelism. We're going to teach you how to witness. We're going to teach you how to how to go and reach your neighbors. We're going to teach you how to, how to touch the lost that are around us. I tell you guys, if we're never touching lost people, I'm just, I'm delighted. I get to watch guys like my brother Jeff. God redeemed him three, four weeks ago now, and man, he's just, he's on fire for God. Every week he comes to church, he's got new people with him. Hallelujah. I'm just so thankful. You know, we need about 30 Jeffs in our church. We need many more like Jeff. Some of us, we've been walking after the Lord for a long time, and we've, we've forgotten what it was like to be lost. We've forgotten what it was like. We don't even have any lost friends to invite anymore. We need to make some friends. We need to go be friends with some, some heathens. Hallelujah. All of us need people like that. I'll talk to some people, and I say, Pastor, now that's scary, man. No, you know what's going to be real freaky? The, the last phase of this series that we're going to do is all going to be on spiritual warfare. Casting out devils, tearing down strongholds, and that really freak you out. But here's, here's what I want to encourage you. Say, Pastor, there's no way I could do evangelism. There's no way I could cast out devils. Yeah, you can. Because we, listen, we're going to do it together. We're going to do it together. Well, I've never done anything like that. That's okay. We're going to do it together. We're going to learn together. We're going to grow together. And God, he's going to do great things. This is going to be a hub of revival. Do you believe that? God is going to birth a hub of it. Does anybody other than my wife believe God's going to raise up a mighty church right here in Kailua, Kona? Wow. Hallelujah. Some of you here today, I never want to have a service where I don't give individuals the opportunity to get right with the Lord. Maybe you're here today, you say, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus. I'm not right with God. I've got sin in my life, but I want to get it right. I want my sin to be washed away. I want to know that when I die, I would go to heaven. I want to know that, I'm, I want to know that Jesus is my Savior. I want to know. I want to know before I leave here today, that I'm right with the Lord. And somebody, some of you here, you, you just say, I, I need to give my life to the Lord. Maybe you, maybe you once walked closely to Him, but over the years you've kind of drifted away. Now you've gone lukewarm. Maybe you've gone cold. You've, you've completely turned and run away from the Lord. But today you feel the Lord saying, I want you to come home. 
And you're like that prodigal. He's saying, I want you to come to me. He's not going to rebuke you. He's not going to abuse you. He's going to welcome you. He's going to embrace you. He's going to give you His grace. He's going to give you His mercy. He's going to forgive you, even though you don't deserve it. Because He's good. Maybe you're here, you love the Lord, but you've got some sin things that just really, really trip you up. You just can't seem to gain victory over that. I'm believing in this season of prayer and fasting. Things that have really plagued you in your life are going to die. Things that those spirits that have clung to you and just harassed you for many years, those things are going to fall off over this season. Maybe you're here and you've never known the Lord. Maybe you've done religious activities, but you don't truly know Jesus. I want to pray for you today. And I believe the Lord He's going to touch your life. He's going to minister in you. And you're going to be a part of this last day revival. The last thing I'll share before I pray with you, I want you to pay attention. Everybody look at me. I know. Just look at me for a second. Our time is short. I want you to know that. Our time is short. Some of you up in age, some of you, I mean, even when I was young, I just remember thinking, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing for a while. And later, after I've lived my life, then I'm going to give my life to the Lord. But I'm just warning you, we may not have that opportunity. Some of us may not grow old enough to get gray-haired or or bald-headed. That's the direction I'm going. Some of us may not live that long, I'm telling you. I believe with all of my heart. I don't say this as as religious rhetoric. I don't say this because I, I heard another preacher say this. No, I believe from the depth of my soul, in my lifetime, I will see the return of Jesus Christ. I believe it with all of my heart. And there are going to be people, young people, and you just think, I'm going to do my own deal And then one day when I'm on my deathbed or later on in my, when I'm ready to settle down, maybe get married, then I'm going to give my life to the Lord and we'll get, it's not going to work that way. Some of you are going to hear that trumpet blast and the hour has come for Jesus to return and to bring his bride home. And if we're not right with the Lord, we're going to miss that. We're going to miss it. Some of your grandparents may have had the chance I'm going to do my own thing and come to the Lord later. But you know what's ironic? Most of them didn't do that. Tomorrow's only found in a fool's calendar. Today, if the Lord is speaking to you, we're going to get right with God. We're going to get sin out of our life. We're going to make sure before we leave here today that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Jacob, you're talking to me. I don't care if you've been baptized. I don't care if you took communion. But if you're here and you have a sense, if Jesus were to come back today, if you are not positive he'd be coming back for you, then I'm talking to you. You're here, you say, Pastor, I want you to include me in your prayer. I want to know. I want to know that God's done that work for me. Just right where you are, nobody looking around. Would you just lift up your hand so I know who I'm praying for? Yeah, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Are there others? I see you. 
I see you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's about a dozen or so. How many of you? Now listen, this is, I don't do this to embarrass you. But you might say, Pastor, I, I, I know that I'm right with God, but I've got, I've got sin in my life. I've got some things that trip me up. Might not even be sin. It might just be I. I just have this insecurity thing that plagues me. I have this uh, this defeated mentality that just hits me all the time. And you say I want to be free. I want to be free. I don't want the devil's whispers in my ears any longer. How many of you say that's me? That's me. Just by show of hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. So many. Even more. Even more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't normally do this, especially in this COVID time. Come on, look at me again. I'd rather spend time on this than preaching three more points, okay? My brother, Jay, in the back there, he's another one who recently committed his life to the Lord. And he told me, you know what he told me last Sunday? He said, uh, I was waiting for you to call us down to the altar. I was waiting so I could come down and give my life to the Lord. And I told him, you know, man, in this COVID time, we're, we're just trying to be safe and we're trying to, you know, make sure everybody stays healthy and all. But even as I'm preaching this better together, there's this sense that when we step out and we come together, now I'm not going to ask you to pray for each other. I'm not even going to lay hands on you. But there's something about responding with other people. I tell you, I would have failed in my fast already if I didn't have Christian brothers who I was talking to every day. We're reading together. We're holding each other accountable. You pop a piece of steak in your mouth by accident. We're confessing to each other. It's wonderful. Okay? That was a stumbling, right? We need people like that in our life. And so if you raised your hand for either one of those things, I want to pray for you personally right down here in this altar. If you raised your hand or you didn't and you should have, right now, wherever you're at, I want you to step out from where you're at and just find a place down here in this altar. Come on. There were many hands that went up. I want you to come. I want you to step down right here in this altar. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. I want you to come. There were many hands that went up. Many hands that went up. Come on. Thank you, brother. Come on. There were many more. There are probably 20 people that raised their hands. I want you to come. The point is, you're not alone. You're not alone. We're, we're together in this. We're together in this. We're going to walk together. We're going to grow together. We're going to learn together. Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jesus said, if you'll acknowledge me before other men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before others, then I will deny you before my Father in heaven. All we're doing here today is we're saying, I'm acknowledging you, Jesus. And I don't care. I want other people to know that I'm serious about you, God. I want other people to know that you are my Lord. I want other people to know I'm not going to let sin dominate my life. I'm going to let you rule my life. If that was you, come on, I want you to step out from where you're at. Come on. Come on right now. Wherever you're at in this room, I want you to step out and come join me down here. God bless you. Come on. I'm going to give you a minute. I'm going to give you a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if your heart is racing right now, that's the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to you. 
You're saying you need to be down there. I believe God's going to do something for you. If you're obedient, if you'll come. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Come on. Some of you, that battle you've had for your entire lives is going to end today. Coming down to this altar. It's a picture of coming to the cross. Things are going to be crucified. Things are going to die. Flesh is going to go. We need that. I need that. Boy, this fast, if it's been showing me anything, it's just I've, got, I've still got some fleshy things that, that need to die. We all do. We all do. So come on. I'll give you about five more seconds if that's you. If you need to be down here, I want to give you a moment to come. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody who's here in the altars, look at me for a second. I want to thank you guys for coming down. I know it's a humbling thing. But you know, the Bible says that if, that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And the fact that you step down today says, you know what, Lord, I'm acknowledging you. And I'm humbling myself before you. You're going to find grace in this altar today. You're going to find grace. He's going to touch you. He's going to wash you. He's going to set you free. If Jesus was willing to humble himself into human form and hang naked on a cross... We make the pictures of the cross like PG rated. You understand, it was a gruesome picture and he hung there naked, humiliated. And if he was willing to humble himself that low, boy, what a small thing for us to step out and walk 20 feet to an altar. It's a small thing. It's the least we can do. Come on, I want you to lift your hands and let me pray for you. God, I thank you for those who have chosen to step out today. And I just ask you, Lord, that today, according to your word, would you meet them and would you touch them by your grace? You said that you give grace to the humble. God, you're not, they're not down here ready to be rebuked, ready to be abused, ready to be whipped in a, you know, accused for their sin. No, Lord, you're, they're down here and you're here to remove their guilt. You're here to give them grace. You're here to empower them to live a life that is honoring you. God, I don't know the stories. I know some of these have walked with you many years. Some are just beginning their walk with you. Some have never known you, but I thank you today. Lord, you're going to move on their life. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come. I ask you to fill them. I ask you to anoint them. I ask you, God, that sin that easily besets them, would you remove it in this time and in this season? God, release an anointing for righteousness across this room in the name of Jesus. I plead your blood over each and every one and I thank you for the washing and regeneration of your Holy Spirit that is moving now upon their lives. Lord, Touch my brothers, touch my sisters in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Now keep your hands lifted. I want everybody to pray. Repeat this with me. Right out loud. Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I have sinned 
Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me. Forgive me. And make me brand new. Thank you, Lord. You came to this earth. You lived a sinless life. You died a sinner's death. A death that I deserved. You took it. You rose from the dead. And you're coming back soon. Be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Be my very best friend. And I know I will be ready when you return. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a power to live this life in a way that honors you. In your precious name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on. Give God praise.